Hello, little Rudies, and welcome to the first episode of the Having a Mouthful podcast. Today, we are joined by fantastic actor and writer, Danielle Quinn Taylor. And today, we are going to be discussing the dissection of the female character. So firstly, hello and welcome, Danielle, to the podcast. Um, So why did you choose to discuss this topic in particular? I... I feel so, so strongly about female identifying characters in, in you know, film and TV and the media. And um, I just felt like that had to be talked about as something that, you know, is quite connected to what the Rudy Nudie Gallery is and is about. I felt like discussing, you know, f- like female identifying characters and, and that representation across the board, like intersectionally in, in the media. I think that's really important. I agree, 100%. 100% I agree with that. 100%. So where should we start, Danielle? Should we start with a few little statistics? I think that's always a good way to start. Yeah, I love a statistic. Right, let's get them. Let's get them going. Give a look out. Let's give a look out. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, okay, so I did a little bit of research um, for this because I wanted to, I wanted to know specifically what the statistics were from the last year of films so most of these stats are based on the top 100 grossing films of 2019 just the films that you know made the most money did the best and this is across the top 100 so that's a you know a big number of a big number of films um so so in that 100 films of 2019 only 14 out of those 100, so 14%, featured a gender-balanced cast of speaking roles. So by gender-balanced, that is a statistic of 45 to, what is it, 54.9%. Only 14 out of 100 of those films featured a cast that was gender-balanced with its speaking roles. So, wow. you know, there, there, are, there are a lot of films where you've got a gender-balanced cast visually, but lots of one gender don't speak, etc. But that was for, for speaking roles, um, which I just thought is is ridiculous, considering we yeah. make up like half of the population to think that only 14 out of those 100 films did that um, was just a bit baffling to me. And I think that's what needs to change drastically. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That is that is crazy statistics. Yeah, that's a really yeah. small amount. And I mean, you, you, you know, you can argue all you want about how, oh, maybe, maybe majority of those films were genres where you mostly see male speakers instead of female speakers. But mm-hmm. I don't think that's an excuse anymore. I mean, in that, in that 100, uh, top 100 films, only 28% of all speaking characters across those films that were action films were female identifying. So in that 100, however many were action films, which I don't have a statistic for, but action films tend to do very well in the cinema. Um, only 28% of the speaking characters in the action films were female identifying, which is rubbish. Not even half. Like that is rubbish. That is rubbish. I find, I find that, um, I find action and sci-fi are really tricky genres when it comes to gender equality. I just don't feel like women and female identifying characters are well represented at all in sci-fi and in action, um, let alone women of color in those films. Yeah. Um, either if you do get you know if you do get female identifying characters in those films I find it's usually white women um, mm-hmm. so so yeah it's, it's disappointing and it's something that needs to change not just in action and sci-fi um, because I think there are some fantastic films with fantastic female identifying characters in you know sci-fi mm-hmm. and action look at Alien that's one of my favorite films of all time yeah and that features Sigourney Weaver who apparently when they wrote it um, they didn't really like write it specific to a gender and then somebody brought up Sigourney Weaver and they were like why not and she read for it and they were like she's perfect she's incredible as well absolutely incredible truly truly but even yeah like like I was saying even in even in those films where um you know women do get they do get a a big bit in a sci-fi or an action film they're often white women and only white women and I can't speak for all action and sci-fi films because I've not seen them all but um I'd say on average, you've mostly, well, clearly you've got, um, what's that, 70, 72% of speaking roles uh, dished out to male identifying characters and the rest women, usually white. So 
something needs to change this yeah this is the thing you've got such a small amount of women that are represented anyway and then you have that that even smaller amount of you know women of color that are being represented across yeah. the entire industry yeah. it's yeah. it is absolutely shocking and it's unrealistic uh, you hear the phrase a lot when people are like oh the bbc's gone mad oh it's gone mad with you know yeah. um, with equality with gender equality with with um uh with like racial equality and it's like no, no like nothing's going mad we're just fixing years and years and years yeah. of discrimination and misrepresentation like mm-hmm. it feels like we're only now starting to actually represent the uk the usa the wider world as a whole as what it actually looks like because at the moment it's just all white people and a lot of white men and the thing is that tv and film they should be representing society as it is Mm -hmm. we're Mm. not all white male and over 50 so (laughs) we should be seeing so much more diversity throughout the film tv industry as as a whole Um, and we should be promoting that um but no, I totally get you with... Because what, what better way to do that with than with film and, and TV? Because yes. um, arguably it's it's not accessible to everybody. Film and TV isn't, and it, and it should be. Um, but it's accessible to most of the world. So if you're, if you're going to choose a place to give really true and, and, and proper representation, then it's, it's in the film and TV industry, for sure. So yeah, so one company that actually did hit it in 2019 so universal pledged for sort of gender equality in their leads and their co-leads and in 2019 universal reached 50 percent in its depiction of female identifying leads and co-leads which i think is really good and to see a company like universal do it is really hopeful um there's a lot of issues that still need fixing and still need adjusting but i think a big a big company like universal doing that is really cool and i read that and i was like i didn't even know about that I don't think that's like, I've not seen that talked about. Yeah, exactly. They're such Mm. a big company to pave the way for other companies as well. So Mm. it's good that they are, you know, when you're given these statistics about women in film, but you also have to question what roles they are getting in film. Yes, yes. As well. And I have, I have, (laughs) I did my research down actually and found this interesting quote. So it says that it found that women and girls were four times more likely than men to be shown wearing revealing clothing and four times more likely to be shown completely naked in comparison. Yeah, um, that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. Uh, you know what's scary, what is extra scary is that involved in that statistic that you just said was the word girls. Yeah, yeah. That's even, that is even scarier as a listener, that is, that's not right because that means the sexualization of girls is happening quite regularly in film and TV, which isn't a thing that should be happening because they're underage. Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. All I just right. find absolutely shocking. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, we're hearing so much from the industry anyway um, that it's not surprising, and that's the problem. Yeah. I think so. And when, um, I think me and you have talked about this before, when, when you have these, um, when, when you hear about this statistic about women being in revealing clothing mm-hmm. in the, um, in the, in the roles that they're in, that, t- that ties into so many stereotypes. You've often got, um, in like when the woman is the boss in a film, when the woman is the CEO, when she's the boss, it's like, don't forget to get her boobs out. And that's like, I don't think that's always a problem, but when it's the only thing you're seeing, then it's a problem because there's yeah. no variation. It doesn't, you, you know, like Universal can, Universal can make 50% of their leads and co-leads women. But if they're all rubbish 2D stereotypical characters, yeah. how much good are they actually doing? Exactly. They're only going up to a certain point and then stop it. I'm not saying that's what Universal are doing, but as an example, you know, mm-hmm. you can, if, if you're going to go that far, then go further and, and write better women as well as, as yeah. well as the numbers, because it's great to see, you know, female identifying characters on telly and film. Yeah. But it'd be nice if they all actually had good, well-rounded characters that are written as Absolutely. well as often male characters are. And not just being sexually objectified, if you will. Yeah. Um, and it's yeah. really interesting about Hollywood as well. So the fact that they have like this strange 
fear about portraying women in this unrefined and imperfect light. I find mm -hmm. it really, I mean, it's been going on for absolutely years of how, how women should be or how they are viewed mm -hmm. uh, in comparison to men. I think this is why a lot of male characters are always so rounded, whereas female characters is like, well, actually, you have to be acting like this in this certain way. Yeah, um, often, often due to, like... I don't know, a style of a film or a yeah. director of a film or a writer of a film using the male gaze. I find that really, like, you can, you can clearly see when, like, a, ma a male character has, um, has, like, no... What am I trying to say? Like, when, when, a, when a male character has sort of no inhibitions about them and, they're, and they're, they do what they want and they, yeah. they're not apologetic, I think is what I'm trying to say. Um, yeah. Whereas I often find there's a lot of um, boxes put around even imperfect female characters so that mm -hmm. they still fit into this um like quirky you know manic pixie dream girl male gaze yeah style character if you know what i mean i do know what you mean i do and i think i think being in a lot of these films and and tv that the women are kind of wanted to be viewed as apologetic and i think that's something that we as an industry and as a society need to get out of, of this mm -hmm. now, apologeticness. Um, yeah. <laughs> if I can yeah, word it in a better way. Um, I mean, you know, I, I think we all find it quite interesting when we see quite like a stoic woman or quite a hard woman, mm -hmm. because I feel like we all have to, it's like ingrained in us that we view women in a certain way. Yeah. Or a woman that's not, um, like a, a mother that's not maternal. Yes. That, I find that's often a character that makes you go, wow. Yeah. Like it's, it's different. Like, have you seen Enola Holmes? Yes. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, Helena Bonham Carter, the yes. mum. I don't know her name, something Holmes. I'm not sure what her name is. I can't remember. But she's not a very, like, she's not, she, like, she's a, she's a good mother in the film, but she's not a very, like, she's not your typical yeah. warm, caring, cuddly mother. She's yeah. more of a, like, I don't know, more of like a, like a guardian, like a protector yeah. style mother. And that's, that was really interesting because it was like, oh, she's not just got like a mumsy mum. And there's nothing wrong yeah. with the mumsy mum character. You just yeah. see it so often. Yeah. And the fact yeah. that she's kind of promoting this intelligence as well. And this mm. is the problem is that we're not seeing a variety or diversity of women. You know, mm. there are women out there that are apologetic. Mm. Great. There are also women that aren't like that. You know, we need to yeah. see a whole variety. It's, it's a spectrum, a full spectrum. Yeah. We've got, there, there are mumsy women and there are less mumsy women. And there are, um, there are women that if you made them the boss at a company or, if, you know, they work their way up to be a boss in a company, um, might have like a cleavage UV neck top on and some might not. And that's like, that's fine. Yeah. And mm -hmm. that like, there's no, there's no spice. <laughs> there's no flavor. <laughs> there's no... There's no variety at the moment. It, I'm not, not no in general. There's, I've seen so many great examples of female characters that really do break the boundary, but there just isn't enough. Yeah. You know, there's not, there's not enough variation. Yeah. And it would, you know, in an ideal world across, you know, you know, all genders, not just women, but it would be great to have, a world where everybody is represented on screen. That's not a big ask. I don't think that is a big ask at all. It's not. It's not. The industry is wide enough. There is a massive pool of actors out there. There's a massive pool of writers and directors out there. It's not, yeah. it's not a big, I think it's, it's, it's a tricky thing to break into. I think that, yeah. I think there's too many scared people. Too many and people also, that are scared of. And also they shouldn't be doing it to fill a quota as well no no say um yeah you know having women in in a film or tv because they have to yeah um, it would be nice for it not to be like oh eye roll yeah, let's put yeah. some more women in it because we've been told to do it we got a slap on the wrist last year yeah. it's nice for them to actually be like well you know what if this character was a woman instead yeah. So many, so many villains in films, right? I always think, so I, I come up with so many films and I see the villain in the film and um, regardless of whether they've got any romantic connections in the film, whatever, yeah. usually a lot of the time, can't speak for all villains, but a lot of the times the villain's doing their own thing and they've got their own storyline 
and they're doing it. And I find like so often they are male identifying characters when they could have just been a female identifying character. Yes. And you know, maybe there is a reason. Maybe the writer has thought, I will make them male for this reason. But I, I it's often with villains, specifically with villains, I often come out of a cinema and I'm like, hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna lay You know? Yeah. I think it would be interesting to, for it to like to see mm. it as a woman as well. Because yeah. I think yeah. it changes the way something changes when it's a, a man and a woman, when it's in those, like specifically in those roles, I think it can really change the whole show, really. Yeah. Film. Yeah. There's, I, yeah, I just sometimes think, I sometimes come, you know, finish a film and I'm like, that was really good, but mm-hmm. like, that there wasn't enough women in it yeah I don't know I, I feel like that sounds that sounds very bland the way I'm saying it but like there wasn't enough diversity in it there wasn't yeah. enough um gender diversity or sexuality diversity or racial diversity it just like wasn't there yeah. and um this is why I love using I love using the Bechdel test for like anything I watch um it's almost like ingrained in the back of my mind now where I'll be yeah. like oh did that pass the Bechdel test no yes and I think it's I think the Be- it's actually called the Bechdel-Wallace test, but the, the Bechdel-Wallace test has really, really highlighted how how many films don't pass it, and that sounds silly, yeah. but um, you know, for to have two named female characters and for them to speak together and for them to speak about something that isn't one of the other male characters or you know a man, that's a really low bar, and so many films don't hit that, and it's gutting. It's gutting as a woman to watch yeah because often often you'll be like oh too f- oh, br- i don't think this as i'm going through a film and you'll be like oh wow two female characters that's really great oh they've got names that's even better which is like, such a low bar they're like oh wow they've got names they're talking to each other and then the, their conversation ends up being like about the male protagonist and you're like yawn they have like lives <laughs> yeah i mean th- th- i think yeah, this is just such a, a bad thing. I mean, we're, we're both actors and, and we both can say when we watch things and we're like, oh, wow, look, it's a woman on screen. Imagine yeah. the possibility. You know, I just feel like, yeah, we, we have a lot of expectations for women um, mm. as a whole um, in society. And I think that's reflected in, in film and, and TVs. Mm. That we, yeah, they... I don't know that they have to be this perfect being, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I, I've said this to you before, Dan, but one of my, one of my friends, um, she was saying, you know, when she wants to date a guy, she's like, Oh, well, if he's nice, then that's, that's, you know, that is it. That's great. Mm. But if she wants to date a woman, the level of expectation is huge. It's like, yeah. well, she needs to, be able to speak three different languages fluently yeah. she must have i don't know um a master's degree in literature and i, I don't know there, there is like so many demands and i think this is reflected in tv and film quite a lot yeah mm-hmm. that I like in, oh, that internalized like internalized misogyny that's been yes. dr- like drilled in through years, yeah. and years and years and years and years yeah of practice and it's i find it like I find it really interesting when I'm watching a film with somebody and you'll get like, you know, like your lady, your lady boss character and she's like a bit snappy and a bit like, you know, she, she wants what she wants yeah, and she's exactly. quite like stern. And um, it's so interesting how many people will be like, yeah, she was a bitch though. And it's like, mm. was she though? What, like, yeah. like, was she? I don't know. I just find it really interesting that humans have these natural reactions to seeing women like that on screen and not just in on screen but in life so it's nice to see those more like more realistic women um that don't have the like the filter on the rose tinted glasses filter the manic pixie filter the, the the male gaze filter um we well we've definitely had discussions before about michaela cole um phoebe waller bridge um those those sorts of characters that write these unapologetic flawed fantastic women um we've spoken recently about um lucy kirkwood who wrote um who's recently written adult adult material yes um and that like that main female character um is 
is just fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's 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 great to watch these real or realer, more realistic. Because as a as a woman, you you see yourself in that, and you can be like, oh my god, I do that thing. But these, oh my god, someone's talking about like periods on telly, and yeah. it's it's the door is open for that to be more normal. And I it's like love it. These characters, these women that have been written, they're raw characters, they're real. And mm-hmm. I think that is the main problem we don't see in TV and film or, you know, in the industry as a whole. They, these, you know, the characters that we see as women, we can identify, they're not real characters, you know? Mm-hmm. They're not raw, they're not, you don't see this. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, you know, um, the characters that Phoebe Waller-Bridge writes, for example, you know, that they're sexually and emotionally honest without having this need to apologize for it and yeah. i know we mentioned that already um but this is such a rare thing i think to see in female leads you know yeah. um yeah. because where does that obviously you know you're not going to be a 10 t- year old girl growing up watching fleabag i'd be maybe concerned <laughs> if you were um <laughs> but yeah. like at the end of the day film and tv is such a big influencer in what you as a as a young as a young woman are like aspiring to be and aspiring to look like. I know I was really, really influenced by film and TV and yeah. seeing people and characters in film and TV. Um, I, I imagine that's the same for a lot of people. It's a, it's a very big influential source. I mean, I've got this, I've actually got a, a statistic here. Yes, we love it. 10,000 10, girls and young women between the ages of 15 and 25 in 19 countries were polled saying that media has played a massive part in their aspirations and view of themselves. Mm-hmm. The vast majority of those interviewed say they were influenced by what they saw on screen and wanted more role models. Um, yeah, exactly. Because if, if, you, if you're only going to... If, if you are never going to represent uh, women um, with all, like, say, all the vast amount of careers or life choices they could do, not even careers, but, like, all the different paths their lives could be, mm-hmm. if, you, if that range is here, to the edge of my screen, <laughs> if that range is here, <laughs> yeah. and we, we, well, I say we, the, the film industry and TV industry is only ever showing this, yeah. then so many of those girls will grow up thinking that that's, that's all they've got. Yeah. If, if that's if that's information they're being fed regularly. And also, um, you know, if, if, if these films and TV and scripts are being written through the male gaze, then I feel like these women, these young women are gonna be brought up thinking they have to act in a certain way or be viewed mm. in a certain way. Yeah. Um, and yeah. That, that is a problem. That is a major problem. Yeah. Um, Big up if you, if you ever wanna like, re- like read anything or hear anybody speak about that, Florence Given, does such a fantastic she does such i haven't read her book yet actually it's on my christmas list yeah Um, but she does such fantastic talks about the male gaze so i really recommend that if anybody's if anybody's listening if anybody's there and wants wants a recommendation for somebody she's a really positive influencer a very positive sex positive influencer gender positive um she just speaks fantastically and intersectionally on so many issues and i really respect that of her she talks about the male gaze a lot. Yes. And what, what you were just saying reminded me of that, just how she, she, she will often talk about, like, you know, if, if all you're exposed to is one image of what a woman should be, how yeah. can you ever grow up thinking that you can be a hundred other things? Yeah. So, Dan, I found this really interesting quote from Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who actually said that the best drama comes from getting it wrong. So I think as in in the writing process, but also the characters as well. And she Mm -hmm. said that there's a fine line between celebrating female screw-ups and undermining female success by making it look prissy and undesirable by comparison. I like that. That's Yeah, I like that. I think that's really... Yeah, that... Yeah, I think that is really interesting. Because I think the character of Fleabag has a lot of expectations. um, I think from her class as well. I mean, she's quite a privileged... In one way, she's a mm. woman and she's not living up to those standards that yeah. are set upon her. Um, and they're, they're, not just, they're not just male set standards. You've obviously got the pressure that's put on her from 
her father and from the men you know around her in her life but if you think about her i don't remember her name olivia coleman's character the stepmom who's like oh my god she's intense she has a very very internally misogynistic view of how uh fleabag should be and what she should do and whether she should settle down and have children and uh, it's very how beautiful she should be and what she should look like yeah which is interesting i just I just, I know we've spoken about it, but I just absolutely love the the kind of, the dialogue in it as well and how it's been mm. written. Like it is so snappy and loaded and mischievous. Um, mm. And again, raw. And I mean, the I mean, the language that's used is really raw. And then that uh, kind of, along with the actual, the screen aspect and what you're seeing, it is a lot. And you sit there and you're like, oh my God, that's a lot. But also I think it's a lot because you kind of, relate to it yeah oh my god it's overwhelmingly like yeah yeah i do that am i really am i really watching her masturbate to something (laughs) yes okay i've never done is it is it barack obama yeah that is is specific but um so funny funny um that's like michaela cole um in i may destroy you um dad I always mention this to you but it's the moment where she is gonna have sex on her period there is like a blood clot in the scene and I I nearly screamed with excitement because I was like yeah oh my god you don't see this no and I'm sure there is a lot of men and women that are probably watching this going what is that yeah I mean they're probably like I don't I don't know what that is um but oh let's normalize periods on telly my god because like you know you can watch holby city i don't know why that warranted a robot but it did you can watch holby city if you can watch holby city if you can watch casualty if you can watch someone like murder someone else in the old vic in eastenders yes you can see a period like there's come on all these these war films where limbs are being blown off Or like yeah. the Saw movies, for example. When oh, it's yeah, the like, Saw movies, yeah. Or for no reason, but you yeah. can't air an um, advert about periods because, yeah. God, Can no. Can you imagine? I think, I think this should... I honestly think... I don't know if this has been done before or whether I should, you know, make it a concept, but, like, bring out adverts for period products that start with, like, intense battle scenes um like you know like people like zombie films and stuff but all of it is blue so like battle scenes or like bits from game of thrones like recreated or like you know bits from like the walking dead recreated but everything that comes out is blue like it is on period adverts do you know what this is i think that's a i think that's a vibe i think that is an absolute vibe <laughs> do you know what i mean though it's ridiculous yeah. Curated by Danielle Quinn Taylor and the Rudy Nudie. I think so. Yeah. Somebody I, hit me up if you've done this before and I've <laughs> unconsciously stolen your idea. Sorry. It's um, just so, oh, honestly, I just, I just, when I saw that and I thought, Michaela, Michaela Cole, yes. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Amazing. Mm-hmm. And like, if the in-betweeners can put like, piss and, mm-hmm. you know excrements um and vomit yeah um, in loads of bear stuff then why not arguably um as we've mentioned michaela cole mm-hmm. i think that arguably she is the best british showrunner there has been in a really really long like long time really fab. Um, for so many for so many reasons um yeah, yeah. i mean for the for the actual text itself and the actual you know the actual series but also for the way that she is um in the whole process of creating the series as well um and i think she has kind of raised so many vital questions about opportunity and support and transparency and inclusion that um as an industry i think we need to address very very urgently mm-hmm. um, and I think she brings up the question of um, liberation and exploitation. And that's something I also want to do another discussion about at another time, because I think that's quite a big subject. But 
it's a very very small line between liberation yes, and yeah. equity, and I think she deals with it very well and mm-hmm. um, shows the repercussions of both um I just think she's honestly just incredible I think she mm-hmm. is um and I've listened to so many different interviews with her and Sam Miller and just the whole process and how inclusive she is um mm-hmm. uh, and with as I mean you've seen it Dan I made a story but there's a lot of sexual scenes and scenes of a sexual nature within it and the way yeah. she dealt with it in a really safe environment yeah, yeah is- i remember you saying really it's a really safe environment yeah i mean she would um she would along with ita o'brien who legend uh, big legend yeah well, she does sex education and uh i think it's normal people as well so ita o'brien She's an intimacy coordinator and she has choreographed scenes in um, Normal People, Watchmen, Sex Education, um, and most recently, I May Destroy You. Now, all shows that are, it's pivotal that you get it right and you allow your actors to feel safe. But interestingly, all of these shows have been written or directed by women. Mm. I find that quite interesting, the fact that they've yeah. used an intimacy coordinator. I know they're becoming more popular within... It should be. It should be so normal. Yeah. It, should, it should be a standard, really. Mm. A, a lot, Most films and, and um, TV that we watch will have some sort of scenes of a sexual nature. I mean, it's part of our nature, um, and it needs yeah. to be dealt with in a safe way. And Michaela Cole would actually work with Ita O'Brien and test out <laughs> the sex positions before she would ask her co-mates, her co-stars to do it. Um, That's so good. And I mean, there was even scenes, um, there's quite a big uh, sex scene between two men. Um, and yeah, that, I've not finished, I've not finished yeah. the whole series yet. So that brings up issues of, of rape within that scene. Um, and she and Sam Miller, the director, actually tested out the position first to make sure that both the um, the male actors were happy to do it. That's um, really good. That is so good. And that's yeah. the way it should be. Why settle for anything less now that has become the norm? Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like once that truly, truly becomes a norm, there will be safer conditions for actors. Yeah. Um, and more vulnerable actors or newer actors to the profession that aren't quite sure where, you know, where to draw a line. I know it's as, as a grad, it's really difficult to know like what is appropriate to say no to and to say yes to, not just in regards to like kissing, sex scenes, nudity, um, anything like that, just in general, like where's, where's the line? Where do you put your foot down? So I feel like that is a, that's a really good safeguard. Yeah. Well, she's doing it right. Isn't she? She is. She Obviously, during any process where, you know, you're, if, if you, you're applying for a job, you, it should be upfront that there are mm. going to be these scenes. Um, yeah. And, you know, if you're not happy with it, then, you know, you're completely within your right, completely. Yeah. I mean, to say, I'm not doing that or it's not for me or, yeah, you know. Absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What would be nice is if, even if you had, um, you know, so so many um, plays and film and TV won't have anything um, strictly sexual in it because it's um, it needs to be a certain age rating or whatever. But yeah. it will have like implications of sex, or it will have um, a lot of kissing in it and stuff. Yeah, I would say even if you're even if you're not going to employ an intimacy coordinator for it as a director, I feel like it's your duty to have done intimacy uh, coordination training. Yeah so that you are prepped to give your actors everything they need because even with things like kisses it can be a bit tricky yeah. and and really like if you get on set and you don't know anybody there that's a really vulnerable thing to do and, um, and be honest about it i mean film and tv it goes it's such a pace it's done at such yeah. a pace and the amount of times where my friends have walked onto a set and the first thing that they are doing is that that kissing scene or that 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 yeah. scene and they don't even know the person they've not even met the person they're doing yeah. and everybody's different not everybody will be comfortable there, there are some people that won't be as comfortable with touching somebody they've never met before even if it's a hug something like that everybody everybody has their own set of boundaries and i think once once we truly understand that then we can move on to making everybody feel safe on set um, yeah. or in the theater not just on set because in the yep. theatre, you've obviously 
I, I, I do wonder about, you know, like simulated sex on stage and stuff is almost like a, a different ball game because that's, that's live and has to be done a certain way every time in order to keep it safe. And you can trial and error in the rehearsal room, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I think I've, I've not done any um, simulated sex on stage before, but that's a, I imagine that's a very different um, maybe approach or process than it is on film and TV. I don't know. Yeah. Mm. Because you, because you're, you're doing it live every night rather than um, it being filmed and then, yeah not, not doing it again i suppose it would be um it would be rehearsed in a way that is choreographed yeah of course it would i'd be, be worried if it wasn't to be honest yeah it would yeah i mean that that is i mean i've had experiences where they've just gone directors have just gone oh just do it or you know it's yeah. real do it different every night and it's like yeah but that's not that's not safeguarding no um, and that's also not like like <laughs> Sometimes, sometimes playing in that way can be great and can be so freeing and interesting. But if you if you take out the sexual nature, mm-hmm. like how often how often do you ask an actor to do something completely mad and unrehearsed every night? Yeah. Like how how often do you actually do that? Don't give us the opportunity to do that because you just don't know what's going to happen. Well, yeah, you have no idea what's going to happen. Have no idea day. what's going to happen. Um, <laughs> right, Dad. I think we might move on. Sure. Had a couple of questions. We've had a couple okay. of questions. So we might move yeah. on to the questions. But one of the questions was about gender swapping. Nice. Um, and whether that should happen in the process or or yeah, what what you feel about it really. Gender swapping, what do you mean in regards to like film and TV, theatre? All of it, all of it in the industry. Like, should it happen? Should women be writing their own narrative? I mean, I, I know the answer to that. I know. Well, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I'm not, not, to say that, um, not to say that women can't write men's stories and men can't write women's stories, because I think both can be done very well. There are writers that do both very well. Um, there just needs to be a platform for more female writers, more female identifying writers, um, more female identifying writers of colour, um, yeah, different yeah. sexualities. They're just... <laughs> please more diversity please um in regards to gender swapping like already set well-known characters um i find that a really interesting debate i did my third year final essay on that so uh, me and me are trained at east 15 you don't do a dissertation as i imagine a lot of drama schools don't do because of how practical the courses are um, yeah. but we had a series of essays to write every year and your final essay in your final year was you set it yourself like a dissertation and you did a big argument on anything you chose. So I chose whether gender swapping, you know, enhances or hinders a Shakespeare production because I think Shakespeare's a really cool, interesting thing to, to talk about. Um, and, you know, like really, I came to the conclusion that I think if you can do the gender swap, why not? Because it creates something new and exciting and, you know, Shakespeare wasn't written in 2018 and put on at the National for the first time. It's been around for hundreds of years. It has been done so many times you couldn't count in, in a lot of different ways, but also probably in the same way a lot of the time. So, so why not? Like, we can't gatekeep Shakespeare. We can't be like, oh, don't touch it. It's precious because no, like, no, like, no. I think if, if, um, if you're going to gender swap a character whose story is specific to their gender, make sure you're doing it for the right reason. Yeah. That's what I'd say. If you're going to, for example, if you're going to um, gender swap Macbeth, that's a big one. If you're going to make Macbeth a female identifying character instead of a male one, then do think about why, because there are so many, um, you know, male dominant themes and patriarchal yeah. themes in Macbeth. I think it's important to do it for, for a reason that you can, tr- you can truly back up. Yeah. But, um, but that's quite specific. Um, but then even, even, even stories that, you know, Shakespeare's stories with a patriarchal theme, you don't have to always keep them that way. Like, look at King Lear. I feel like, you know, King Lear as a woman would be really cool. I'm pretty sure it's been done. Um, um, The Tempest, um, they have really, they have really patriarchal themes about, um, you know, like having, having an heir and, um, holding that that hierarchy and um sort of being like the king or not 
he's not in um the tempest is he prospero but he's you know the the mountaintop um and i feel like you don't you don't need to stick to tradition you you don't and also i think if you want to keep specifically shakespeare because it is so old if you want to keep it relevant and you yep. want to keep young people interested, mm -hmm. these changes need to happen mm -hmm. to be diversity. There needs exactly. to be women. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because that will, that's going to keep people interested and be like, oh, wow, mm. yeah. That's because actually at the heart of it. Shakespeare is accessible. Shakespeare yeah. is universal. Yes. And his works, are, his works are so wonderful because they are universal. And, um, and so why not? make it as diverse as the world it represents and also shakespeare was gender swapping since day one he was already kind yeah. of doing that to some degree um yeah. i think it needs to be updated yeah, so many of his stories dependent on gender swapping and yeah i just think like why why um why throw away the chance to create something new that is really really fantastic yeah just because you're a little bit scared of rocking the boat yeah. Um, like, it, I guess it depends on the story. It depends what you're going for. Um, the RSC recently, I say recently, in the last two years, um, did a female identifying Mercutio. Really cool. Um, yeah. In the same production, actually. I'm pretty sure it was the same production. Um, they had a female identifying prince as well. That is cool. Which um, people said created a different view of the prince um, because... The, the argument, I can't remember who directed it. Oh, I can't remember. Um, but the the argument for casting a, a female prince was that who would who would be really great at delivering order, a woman. And I just thought that was so funny. I just thought, yeah, why not? The yeah. prince, the prince, even you know, even if the prince did have a romantic relationship in Romeo and Juliet, you could do whatever with it. But the prince hasn't got any strictly heterosexual ties. Yeah. Um, in relationships with any of the other characters in and even if they did so what but they haven't got that um and it's the same with a lot of you know shakespeare's gender neutral characters you've got so many of them why not make more of them gender neutral because i think it can be done mm -hmm. i think it Absolutely. can be done i mean mercutio makes a great amount of like penis jokes um i almost said willy to try and be pg <laughs> and i can bring myself to do it because it's so oh. funny um we're not PG dick here. Jokes, <laughs> dick jokes. Um, my makes a whole host of dick jokes, but like women make dick jokes all the time. Yes, yes. Have you they seen do. Booksmart? Like, pff, like, yeah. You know, um, yeah. it's not, it's not, it's not <laughs> unusual. Tom Jones. There you go. It's not unusual. There you go. So yeah, I just, I just feel like, like, break a boundary because why not? Yeah, I think gender swapping is great. Um, it's fun. I, I feel that, you know, we should be creating our own narratives. You know, that yeah, is like the, I, the ideal thing. But if it happen, the industry needs to become more inclusive. Until there is a female equivalent of Hamlet, let women play Hamlet. Yes. Let it, like, let it be. Because um, <laughs> if there was a female equivalent of Hamlet, they'd be doing it like yeah. it'd yeah. be performed but yeah. there's not so why not there you go i've never seen i would love to see a, a female hamlet with a male ophelia and i've never seen it um but i feel like it's probably been done but i'd be really interested to see that i feel like that would be really interesting that would yeah that would be very Especially to, to tackle um to tackle like masculinity as a theme i feel like ophelia would just be a fantastic character to play from yeah. any type of male character, like any, any, um, any male identifying character, any kind of male, not necessarily um, a male that's more, you know, I hate the spectrum, but more, more masculine or more feminine. Yeah. It would just be really interesting to see a, ma a male identifying actor play Ophelia. It'd be a really interesting point for a man to play Ophelia because of the vulnerability, because I feel like we don't see that enough. Mm. Um, I feel like it's drummed out of men in society, which is therefore reflected in film and TV, yeah. um, you know, to not have any vulnerability. Mm. Um, and I think that's seen as a very female thing. So yeah. to see a man portray that, and also it will be very different to a woman's idea of vulnerability. So that's why mm -hmm. I think it'd be very For interesting sure. to see it. And I, I'd love to see... Um... 
I'd love to see what you would call a really masculine man, playophilia. Um, yeah. I yeah. just think it would be really encapsulating. Yeah. To see, to see that kind of ophelia. And also it doesn't, um, because, of, because of the nature of Hamlet as a yeah. character, if you were to make Hamlet a female identifying character instead of a male one, yeah. Um, you wouldn't you wouldn't get rid of that theme of female hysteria, which you get with the Ophelia character, because once you make Hamlet a female, that's already that theme is already covered. How I might finish this discussion is actually by just talking about what we want to see more of. Mm. I know we've had this discussion before. Um, yeah. Before I say what I want to see more of, what do you want to see more of in the industry relating to to representation of women what i would like to see from from the future of film tv stage female character books female characters in general um more female identifying writers please like definitely because yeah. without without this you know without without that number going up i don't know how we'll get all the other numbers going up with, you know, well-rounded female characters, um, not to mention, um, you know, female characters of colour, really important in that. So in that 100 films I was talking about earlier, um, only 16 leads or co-leads across that whole, 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 like all of those films, only 16 leads or co-leads were from underrepresented groups and were women. Um, there were no Native American, um, no Native American women, no Alaskan women, no Middle Eastern women, no North African women, no Native Hawaiian or Islander women, um, and even you know even the women from um, from non-white backgrounds um, massively limited. Only sixteen across a hundred films. How many leads or co-leads across a hundred films? If there's four leads in every film, just by example, that's four hundred characters um then how many of those were female characters take that down and um then and it was 16 is ridiculous um so yeah i'd like to see i'd like to see more female written stories more female-led stories more varied stories more stories about um about lives that aren't straight and white and old and male um or even straight and white and old or straight and white or white or straight, do you know what I mean? Um, across that 100 films, there was only one film in that top grossing 100 that had a female um, lead from the LGBT community, and that was Booksmart, big up Booksmart, big love for Booksmart. Um, so like, there's, there's just not enough right now, and I'm hungry for more, and so many of us are hungry for more, and companies like, like Universal working really hard to to raise that and to put in that almost positive quota so that they, they do make it normal to have all these um, female identifying characters and leads and stuff, but more work needs to be done. And I think it's not just the responsibility of the industry to do that. It's the responsibility of the people that demand from the industry. Um, you know, the industry makes films based on what we want to see. It's supply and demand. And yeah. at the moment, the world isn't working hard enough to to demand those those yeah. varied stories. Um, the people that write those stories and make those stories obviously are demanding it. We're demanding it, um, but I think the, the the need for variation and the need for diversity isn't high enough, and that that needs to go up. And I think it's all interlinked, isn't it? Yeah, it's all interlinked. Um, everything will go up hopefully together. Yeah. Um, but the long and short of it, yeah diversity yes we need it we do um yeah i think for me it's um i mean obviously we want to get more female writers in the room we want to be creating our own narratives mm -hmm. i want to see more women from history that have done amazing things yes you don't know anything about because there's mm -hmm. so many out there and you know there's not enough films and education on it. Uh, yeah. Again, I've mentioned this to you so many times, but um, I watched the film Harriet that mm -hmm. was you know, directed by Casey Lemons. And yeah. um, that was about Harriet Tubman. Um, and it, call it my own ignorance, but 
I hadn't heard of her before. And once I watched the film, I was like, how have I never heard of this like incredible woman? Like yeah. woman, she never left. So she was an abolitionist and she never left one enslaved person behind. So she completed 13 missions. She rescued over 70 um, enslaved people. She was a soldier and spy for the Union Army during the Civil War. So cool. What a cool woman. She was like the first woman to lead an armed military operation in the US ever. Amazing. And I was like, and this was a woman of colour, you know. It was like, this is so important to tell her story. Where was that when we were at school? Yeah, like, why weren't we taught about this? Yeah. It's just... Education's at the root, isn't it? what you what you teach what you teach children the stories you teach children from history um will will massively influence what they what they grow up deeming an important story yeah to them um i feel like because because of how much of history is erased in our lessons and our current curriculums um, so many, I'm not speaking for myself at all, but so many people are growing up thinking that um, stories from people of colour aren't important, stories from women aren't important, um, because we're not exposed to anything else. And it just means it, it, it breeds, it breeds pools and pools and pools and pools of children thinking that that's all that they've got access to, thinking that white stories are the only ones that they, they, they should be reading or the only ones that exist. Like, yeah, that's, that's the problem, isn't it? There's a, there's a lack of diverse, um, education on the curriculum i agree with that because i wish i'd learned about harriet tubman yes how amazing is that incredible woman we didn't even we barely learned about anne frank talking about women of history like we did so much work on nazi germany i did like years and years and years of studying on nazi germany and anne frank's like mentioned a little bit this is what i mean there's just so many so many incredible women out there Mm. um that you know we need to know about like instead of creating the same story the same narrative let's celebrate other narratives narratives that aren't what we've always been exposed to yeah narratives that aren't necessarily ours you know yeah yeah, that's important we're gonna end our first episode there this has been the rudy nudy gallery with actor danielle quintaylor talking about the dissection of the female character. This has been the Having a Mouthful podcast.